This episode of Humble and Fred is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and DraftKings. Hello, I'm Toronto Mike, producer of Humble and Fred. This best of is proudly brought to you by DraftKings. Bet online legally and safely with DraftKings Sportsbook. Lorraine Sagato is best known as the singer and songwriter for the Parachute Club. Who can forget 1983's Rise Up? Here she is on Humble and Fred, March 2nd, 2015. America, as we do each and every day on Channel 168, Sirius XM, Canada Laughs, all kind of great programming. Don't forget Todd Shapiro at 4 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, did you ever, did you get the latest thing from them? The one-page thing from Sirius? No. Okay, I should get that on. Over to you. Okay. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Great programming. Of course, around the world at HumbleAndFredRadio.com. And uh, please welcome to our program uh, the woman that is singing this song. A lot of Canadians, especially ones who listen to uh, CFNY in Toronto, will know her and her band and the legacy. But here we are today to talk to a woman who has been uh, at it probably even longer than we have. Uh, let's say hi to Lorraine Segato. Hi, guys. Lorraine Segato. Oh, my God. What up? How does this even happen? It's so nice to see your sweet face here, Thank Lorraine. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You know, um... When you walked in this morning, I mean, you had, as Howard just mentioned, you have uh, ties to CFNY because CFNY would have been the first station to play the Parachute Club, oh, I'm my sure. God. And even Mama Kia, mm-hmm. the group before. And I said to you, do you know Don Burns? And you said, yeah. And then I think you were about to say, I'm going to see him this week. And then I had to break the news to you that he had passed away yesterday. I know. I am in profound shock around that. That's really deeply heartbreaking because Don Burns is not only a stellar human being, but, uh, you know... Uh, he was a very important part of supporting my my early career, and, and you mm-hmm. know when someone takes you along like that and uh, lifts you up, you, th- those are things you never ever forget. But I mean, the sadness is is really deep because he's also a very talented man. Mm-hmm. So I I'm in shock like you. Right? Yeah, we were sort of talking about that this morning. We've had him on the show a couple times pretty recently, and, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to check out our interview with. Uh, Dawn, it's on our Facebook page. Um, but yeah, he was definitely, as Fred put it, he was well into his 60s. 
Uh, yet when we saw him recently, he looked great. I yeah. know people always say that. Mm-hmm. Man, he looked great. Well, he was alive then. No, but he was there was ver- a certain <laughs> animation to him then. No, he was very proactive because I remember having those conversations a few years ago. He had put on a lot of weight and he said, this has got to change. And yeah. he took control of it and he did it. Yeah. I always found his mm-hmm. voice very intimidating. You know, there we, here we are doing a show. We consider ourselves broadcasters. We're the only ones. By the way. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then Burns comes in. He sits down and I, uh, it's like, He's got this thing. The going, voice. The voice. And I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, great. I sound like a child well, next you know, to him. He was, he's, what was, I can't believe I'm speaking in the past mm-hmm. tense already. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still kind of processing this. But um, the interesting thing about Don is that he was, um, he had so many different things he was into. You know, he, he was kind of a DJ on the side and he was into comedy. You know, he had this theater thing going and. He was a great improviser, you know, so he was always doing those kinds of shows. And business owner, the tanning and, salon. Yeah, a yeah. business owner. And so always kind of morphing into the next piece of it. And um, just truly shocking news. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, Lorraine? Uh, let's now uh, transition back many years to uh, the, the late 70s in Canada, where, where the end, it, I don't know if I've... I've, I've Wanted to get your take on this. When when CanCon first began, there were a lot of bad Canadian recordings. They they made this rule back in the mid seventies about thirty percent CanCon, and then the seventies were really about finding our way as recording artists. Yeah. When did the Parachute Club uh, come into effect? And my sense of you guys was you were part of that eighties wave where we'd figured out how to produce music, and then all of a sudden it was the best music being produced. Does that make yeah, sense to yeah, you? Yeah, totally. It was very interesting. Um, it, so we came into play around the band began in nineteen eighty two, but we didn't really release our uh, first single until eighty three, and. What was really interesting is is that everything was changing at that time, not just music, but the city was changing, Toronto was really changing, the country was changing because of immigration stuff, you know, a lot of waves of immigration and the influences of Caribbean, all different kinds of music. So you had more reggae groups and you had more world beat groups and, and that's where we took our our piece from plus you had new wave and new wave was morking, uh, morphing into other wave you know so you had all of these different streams of music it wasn't just blues and rock as we had and folk those were the three things we would have been known as as you know for mm-hmm. Canadians and we kind of it was like a little crack in the wall and our music kind of slipped through that and was able to be a part of a big wave of change. You know, the Canadian content rules were actually, for a group like us, it was a godsend because at least we knew we had a chance that we might get played. To be heard on some level. To be heard on some level. Mm -hmm. Later on, I'm not sure uh, whether it helped or hindered people, but I know for our group it did. You know, it's funny because... Most of us have been around this business in some form or another all our lives, and we just assume uh, that everyone knows what we're talking about when we say Canadian content. But I was with a group of musicians yesterday, and at some point we started talking about 30% CanCon, and they went, what is that? Right. They'd only heard about it vaguely. Like, you know, I don't think the average Canadian walks around going, oh, I guess they're playing, that's their CanCon requirement for this hour. Right. But, you know, that, that that's the whole chicken or egg thing. 
they don't know about it, so they just take a lot of great Canadian music for granted. Yeah. The irony is maybe if it hadn't been for CanCon, that music they take for granted now uh, would never have existed or never been heard. I agree with yeah. you on that. I, I do. I know I've heard a lot of people going back and forth on CanCon. And, you know, when I used to hear people go, well, it's CanCon and I have to play my CanCon, I'm like, really? How do you grow a cultural identity without mm-hmm. actually taking that step forward and, and, and doing You're so there. right. And it's funny because and I, this back to this discussion yesterday with these guys that are big music fans and they play music. And I was reminiscing with my buddy Lumbee. I said, you know, there was a time there we had these, and it's only radio people. We had these rules, no two CanCons back to back. Wow. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And there was also, a, and you, this, oh, yeah. this will blow your mind, Lorraine, because <laughs> there was also a rule back in, because I've been doing radio on, on Canadian Top 40, alternative, whatever it is, since 1977, there was a rule when I first started, no women, no two women back to back. Wow, that's amazing. No, it was. And you couldn't have so female true. voices back to back. Now, one of the reasons I mentioned the CanCon beginnings in the, in the 70s and how people in the 80s benefited from it is because all of a sudden, and, and he and I have said this a thousand times, our format, CFNY and then The Edge, where we worked for a long time, we had the best CanCon. You did. The best, don't you think? No, I was just going to say that because as good you as KCON is from the new new rock genre, yeah, so to speak, was outstanding. Yeah, heads well, and shoulders, yeah. pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Like parachute club, Sloan, Sloan. Mm-hmm. Then the mm-hmm. bare naked ladies, and then Alanis mm-hmm. Morissette, Martha, Martha, Martha the, Muffins, the Muffins, Muffins, tragically right? hip, tragically hip. Right. I mean, and and those other formats. I just don't. Yes, there was Celine on and, and yeah. Sarah. We even played a lot of Sarah McLaughlin. But if you think about the CanCon we played on the Edge, yeah, it was, it was great. Starting with you guys, it was it was really perfect. You know, I wanted to th- just to flip to something for a second. I recall. I think it was our fourth single, second album or third. Anyways, the song was called "Love and Compassion." And uh, it wasn't getting, we were having a really hard time getting heard. So I decided to call up one of the radio programmers because I kind of knew him and I knew he liked the group. And I went, can you, can you tell me why we're not even on the, you know, like on the radar of being, you know, introduced as a mm-hmm. song? And he said to me, you know, I'm really sorry, Lorraine. We've, we've got our CanCon quota now. Mm-hmm. We've like, we've got too many Canadian bands have put out stuff this month so quality didn't matter no no it didn't and you know that that attitude was sort of it was kind of across the country which was we will play what we have to but not anything more than that well tell Lorraine the story Um, Fred was programming a radio say did you know you were Mm -hmm. the wolf it's a great story actually of uh Wanting to do something with the uh, the audience would enjoy on Canada, but, but the management those would would have been those type of people that you spoke to very uh, mm-hmm. narrow about the CanCon rules. Yeah, on a Canada Day, I thought, why don't we play nothing but Canadian music today? Oh, that's you know, a good it's idea. Peterborough, it's up Cottage Country. Everybody's in a good mood, and everybody uh, knows the music. They fought mm-hmm. it, and but eventually, I won, and the reaction to it was just outstanding because okay. there's just so much fun, happy, neat. Canadian music. Well, and it's celebratory yeah. on that day in particular. And Why not? Yeah. And it is unique, you know, like if you look at sort of the music that we do make here in this country, it's very particular to the landscapes yes. we live in. Yes. You know, we're a highly literate uh, country, in comparatively. You know, we read, 
we, uh, we, we love our, our outdoors, we have wide open spaces. All of these kinds of things actually influence the way we write. Mm-hmm. And, and we are quite unique. And I would think that it would be an amazing thing to, to play more of that or to you know, uphold that. But. Well, it, it just shouldn't be an issue. If it's good, play it. Yeah. Very simple. But as, mm-hmm. and I sort of began this discussion by going back to the roots of CanCon almost reverse prejudice began when it was first thrust on us in the early 70s. And, when, and that first wave, some of it wasn't very good. Yes. Or it was good, but not very well produced right. and on and on. So some of that stuff, some of the it's guys in their 50s and 60s who are still somewhat in charge. But now, Lorraine, in the years between the Parachute Club, here's what Lorraine's done. You and I barely leave our home. <laughs> uh, hey, um, no, honestly, we, uh, it's all we can do to get here. Today. Uh, filmmaker, artistic director, director, lecturer, social justice activist, playwright, and speechwriter. Uh, and it's amazing. Uh, how dare you be so accomplished? How dare. On the point of uh, social injustice activists, to go back with Parachute Club and rise up. That song wasn't about gay rights per se, was it? No. But at the time, weren't there some people reluctant to talk about playing Canadian music, reluctant to play it because they thought it was promoting yeah, gay rights? Yeah, and I, th- yes. And, and also they were reluctant to see the band because they... Because we had it, you know, we had opinions. So mm-hmm. they say were that reluctant. again. Are you, I, I never heard that. That some people thought Rise Up was a an an, was anthemic for the uh, the, for gay, the gay, gay struggle, community, but it was against all. It, um, it was just really. It was just yeah. really a meant to be a celebration song about empowerment and mm-hmm. share the sharing. You know, the sh- the equal sharing of power and the beauty of that, and of course. And and I'm really I'm we're all very happy that you know different groups have sort of you know taken it took it, it like really yeah. it feels like oh yeah this song represents who I am we're very happy about that but it was always meant to be uh, an empowerment song and because I think uh, we were the first one of the first groups to kind of really I- embrace the the gay and queer community and play you know there and. Uh, you know, we had a lot of blowback, mm-hmm. for, for lack of a better word, around that. And people were afraid to play our music and they were afraid to come Can and see us. That? And that's in pretty recent history. Mm-hmm. Well, early 80s. Yeah. And no pun intended with blowback. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I can't remember <laughs> right. alone. Uh, but is that weird when you write a song, you and some friends get together in a room and there's a guitar and maybe one of those shaky, shaky egg things or something? <laughs> yeah. Just lying around. Uh, you know, but you guys are just jamming it out and all of a sudden someone comes up with that riff and you add some lyrics and then... It has a life of its own. Once you record it, that's a, that's one of the great things about music as art. It, it has it goes away from you. It's not yours anymore. No. And some people might see it as a fight against oppression. Other people see it as a a celebration of you know gay lifestyle. But it's not yours. That's so and true. Is it weird? It's it is truly weird because um, I've often thought to myself, oh my god, I wish I could myself rise up. You know, I wish <laughs> that I could you know rise above the, the 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 petty mundane aspects of life that that really pull me down. And that's when you really realize that. You know, uh, especially a song like that, in some ways, is also a burden as much as it is um, something you can be proud of. Because who can live up to that kind mm-hmm. of thing? And and also, you know, that song or songs like that, most songs actually, they come through you, 
and then they need to go somewhere else. And if you hold on to what that is, what you think it is, I love the value of interpretation. Well, I wanted to ask you about you know? value. Do you still get uh, some rise up checks every so often? Yeah. <laughs> Does the bank account rise up? You know what I'm talking uh, about? Sagato. I just want to remind you we live in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to remind you. I, I just you I like aware. to say Lorraine Sagato. Uh, you got some SoCan stuff coming in. Uh, I want to play for you Americans that are, I know I played a little bit of it. Um, Have a listen to this. This was also, and I want to get back to uh, talking about, it was also the confluence of the Much Music. Yes. The beginning of Much Music when they used to play. And they used to play videos. (laughs) And you guys made a pretty cool video for this. Here's a little parachute club. And rise up. And and by playing this, Lorraine just makes like a penny and a half. What's it like when you hear that song? So many years later, does your mind ever wander back to the day in the studio that you did that vocal track? Yeah, it does. It wanders back often when people come up to me and tell me their Rise Up stories. I could write a book about the Rise Up stories. Why don't you? Yeah, that'd be cool to read. Really? Well, yeah. because she's a filmmaker, artistic <laughs> director, lecturer, uh, 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 but it's and. like you said, it's everybody's interpretation. It's what they take from it. Yeah. For me, when I listen to that song, that's my childhood. Oh, exactly. And you know what I mean? So my love of music started when I was probably 10. Right. And, and all of that stemmed from that song and a handful of others that got me. Well, even so in my it. own teenage life, I think, you know... Uh, I never write music like this, but the one song that I recall as a you know a pinpoint moment was mm-hmm. "Fire and Rain," James Taylor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember everything that was happening to me at that time, mm-hmm. and so and and I really get that music does that for you. You know, it slides in and becomes this memory. Place. Sure. Yep. Well, there's so, there's so many things about Rise Up that make it a great song. I mean, from the vocals it's got a great to, to hook. what it's about, a great hook. And, and like you said, that cultural happy. influence of the, yeah. a bit of a yeah. ska thing. Well, or... I think, I, I think um, that, can I just say that I think part of the interesting success of, of Rise Up uh, is that it was really, really different in terms of Canadian music. Yes. Because it really wasn't new wave, even though we were coming out of the new mm-hmm. wave. It was really the moment when world, world beat music, you know, because uh, that was a soca groove sure. and all this stuff. And world beat music met pop melody. And that's what, in so many ways, people responded to also was, hey, this is a different sound. Mm-hmm. So when you do something like that, like, let's say all the basic tracks are down and uh, they bring you in, it's your, you're, you're there now, to, it's your day to do the vocals. Like, again, I often wonder, like, can you see yourself in the studio all those years ago and, and know when you did the take that, became the thing that we've been listening to for 30 years can yes. you put yourself in that spot or is it more yeah. of like a uh, almost like a movie you saw a long time ago well it really is I, I can absolutely put myself in that spot because I recall the moment when I was trying to sing the song and I was having difficulty and Daniel and Wah 
came in. Like I was having difficulty finding the bead of the song. And Danny came in and he he did some funny impression of the Hamilton man because we're both from Hamilton. Uh, we recorded talking about Danielle Lenoir, yeah. who who I think he's produced some other people. A couple, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you, you too. Yeah, you too. I don't even know. <laughs> How's he done for himself? <laughs> really well. <laughs> but he came in and he, anyways, he found this really funny way of making me laugh. And it just cracked whatever my insecurity was about trying to nail this song. And, um, and so I often remember that moment of him walking in and the silly things he was doing. So. And when you got the take that, again, finally became this track, do they look at you through the glass and sort of everyone gives you the thumbs up or you feel good about it and you walk in and you go, okay, that's it, I'm done now. And you've only been singing versions of that forever because forever, yeah. you're not, that, that would one day didn't, won't happen again. It doesn't yeah. have to. Yeah. Well, and you know, the interesting thing about this song is I continue to change it. Like we've just recorded a, a gospel version of this song. Get out. <laughs> because over the years, what happens is, you know, you jam it, you keep jamming it and you keep extending it and then wrote another bridge around it, you know, just kept, uh, so on live version, it's eight minutes long. When I do it live and it goes into double time gospel at the end. And so there's, um, you know, that's the way that I found to make that song interesting to me, but also to the audience and to pay homage to the Mm -hmm. fact that they want to hear that. Obviously, they they want to hear that song. So let's give, you know, make it fresh for them. So many things you've done, including speech writer. Who would you write speeches for? Well, there were a variety of people who would have to deliver uh, speeches, for instance, to the Junos, you know, big... Uh, like corporate know, stuff or...? Uh, to, to Heritage Canada, for right, Heritage right. Canada. And, and, so uh, lobbying stuff. Kind maybe. of lobbying stuff, yeah. yeah. And so uh, kind of speeches that were deep speeches, like, mm-hmm. you know, hi, thank you very much. Or mm-hmm. They were like, I had to deal with policy pieces. And now, you were friends with Jack Layton, mm-hmm. too, is that right? Yeah, friends did with you, Jack Layton. Did you yeah. ever write anything for him? Uh, I produced things for him. Yeah? Yeah, when I wrote a song for him for his campaign, when he actually wanted to become a leader Mm -hmm. of the NDP... Of course, he loved Rise Up, and he's like, can I? And I said, no, you can't use it. That's the one thing that you, you must have been asked. I was going to say that. There's got to be a lot of American and Canadian political parties that may have probably approached you. They've all tried. They, they Any all car tr- companies and, for Big Jack? No, nothing. Like I was kind of hoping well, like Apple or something like right. that. Exactly. So why do you well, say Viagra. no to the political? The po- because it's the one thing that... You know, it's the one thing that once you slot it into a political thing like that and you say, this is a, Mm -hmm. this kind of song, then all the other people feel disenfranchised around it. It lessens the impact. I'll tell you what, Lorraine, we're going to hear a little bit of your new tune in a second. But first, you know, can we just take a second and tell everyone that our good, I want to, you know what, I won't do it over your song. Because we have sponsors we need to thank, sure. but it will not sully at the feet of the moon, people. <laughs> You're probably going to go away and go, why does that Jewish man yell at the end of every sentence? <laughs> uh, Oakville Sight and Sound. Just give him a, a little brief thing. We're going to get it. By the way, we've got a thing coming where Oakville Sight and Sound is going to set up some stuff at your house with a uh, 3D rendering of what your place can look like auditorially, okay? That's right. Oakville yeah. Sight and Sound. Here's... Uh, 
here's a little advice. Go to oakvillesightandsound.ca and uh, why not get a free home consultation? If you're thinking about doing up that room with the new television, the flat screen, the sound, they'll help you to tell you exactly what to do to totally take advantage of the room that you want to refurbish. They're into wireless audio. They have the best prices in all electronics. Oakville Sight and Sound. You know what? They want to do business after they get to know you. Yeah. It's kind of the opposite with uh, the way people use our program. Once they get to know us, they don't want to do so much business with us. <laughs> I have a bit of a weird feeling. Uh, like I've been on a road trip in the back of my parents' car when they didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> um, Five-hour energy. You like that uh, imagery? <laughs> you make me laugh. Yeah, it's funny. I always remember that. My mom and dad got a new... The only new car I can remember from my childhood was this Pontiac thing and... We left Moose Jaw to go to Winnipeg to see my grandparents, and they had no air conditioning. I sat in the car in between my two brothers. Mm-hmm. And you had the hump? I had the hump seat. <laughs> and just how I got back at them was by just regularly throwing up. Beautiful. <laughs> only, listen, when we were kids, only rich people had air conditioning in their cars. The only air conditioning was That's rolling so down true. the windows. I recall yeah. that as well. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, you know, Eileen just had a baby. He's a beautiful, sweet angel boy named... Uh, Brody. Brody, right. And, Clearly, uh, he's very close. Oh, so close. I'm like a godfather to this kid. Uh, but you don't know, when we all grew up, the uh, Lorraine and Fred and I, the kids sat low. And the reason you used to get car sick is because your eyes couldn't see over the horizon mm-hmm. enough to get kind of a, a, your bearings. And I just was... A puke machine uh, around right, Dauphin, Manitoba. I guess they didn't have car seats back then. <laughs> no, they no, just threw you in the back belts. seat. <laughs> they, didn't even, they didn't have seatbelts. That's yeah. so true. They velcroed you, you know to your one I, brother. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know how I learned how to drive was my dad used to sit me on his knee. Sure, of course. And we would drive her. You know, Can you imagine that now? You'd be arrested. Oh, oh absolutely. Oh, yeah. But I tell you, before I was even 16, I knew how to drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All, you know, that's funny you said. All of us did. I, I drove so. I grew up in the uh, small town, but everyone drove. Drove stuff. Right. The uh, tractors count, though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned how to drive a standard in a tractor. You know, I was one of those prairie Jews. I was, I was, uh, I had a whole field Jew. of gefilte fish. I had locks in the North 40. I had gefilte fish over here. Uh, we got to go. I know. I know. Okay, listen, we're going to do the uh, five hour when we come back. Man, I don't know how this got away. Lorraine Sagato is going to, can you hang around a little bit? Yeah, where are you going? We're not going. We're going to take a little break here. Okay. All right, we'll come back and uh, we'll get to Linda Morgan's uh, provocative story about whatever that was. It was crazy. Oh yeah, whatever it was. And uh, <laughs> we'll also listen to some uh, new Lorraine Segato when Humble and Fred Radio continues. Hey, you! What's about to happen will not make any sense at first, and then it will. What are you doing? The question one more time? Where the hell did I put it? Tongue-punching the fart box. I don't want to begin like that, unless you do. Lubricant, lubricant. Bullshit! Aggression, aggression, like, ah, 
God. That's just intrusive. Jabbing and jabbing. That round mound of Asian love right there. <laughs> sheets and sheets of chicken skin. I left my dick in Pope Francisco. God hates facts. Woman man. My goodness. There was something like hard about it. Um, That's the vagina with extensions. <laughs> Give Wesley some rabbit turds. See if he likes them. Jesus, Oprah's got to take a dump. You would not believe the mother load I just dropped. Crazy. Mm-hmm. That's when you get so excited that you make a poo-poo. All the juice coming oh. out. Yeah, like a bomb that just blows everything up. Kills everyone. Elon Musk. Not for ophthalmic use. Oh, that's disgusting. You need your mouth washed with soap. Wash me. I guess it doesn't belong on the show. All right. Uh, we'll hang out a little bit more on Channel 168. This is the uh, Canada Laughs Channel. Uh, Humble and Fred Radio. Sometime, a, a, a nice balance between the humorous and the serious. We are right now in deep, serious conversation with Lorraine Sugato. She is already thinking to herself, this is the most in-depth interview I've ever done with two old men. <laughs> that is very, very in-depth. No, you, you were talking about um, during the break that, you know, radio announcers, disc jockeys per se, can't play their own music anymore. It's all so programmed. There's a lot of radio stations, too, where interviews about music like this one, you're only allowed two or three minutes, and that's in I and know. out. You're I've, gone. I've been very surprised lately. Speak right mm-hmm. into that thing right I've there. I've been uh, quite surprised lately. Um, mm-hmm. About what? Well, uh, I've done a couple of serious shows where I actually have had conversations with people. I was kind of not prepared. <laughs> you know, I had my answers all kind of click, click, click in my head. Yeah, for the two and you know, three often, minutes. Yeah, because yeah, they're often the same questions, right? Yeah. So I I put, put that together and then there's a conversation. I'm like, oh, this is really quite thrilling. Mm-hmm. You know, people uh, want to know what you think. I But I was also saying it wasn't just that. It was just that... Uh, DJs and radio announcers used to be huge stars. You know, for us musicians, there's a great deal of respect that uh, exchanged between the people who were often playing our music and, mm-hmm. and and ourselves. It wasn't just that they played our music and we we got something from it. We got something from the people we were listening to. So you know, there well, were, yeah, there was a time where uh, disc jockeys were quite pivotal, in making uh, you know, making or breaking a band. That's as well. exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the reasons Lorraine is on our program is because of her deep, abiding love and respect for us. That's column A. Column B <laughs> is uh, Lorraine Segato's new CD, Invincible Decency. Is uh, it's a big uh, launch party. At Daniel's Spectrum, which is Dundas Street East uh, in Toronto. For you people outside of the GTA, you have time to buy a ticket to the GTA, and we will welcome you. <laughs> and that's uh, tomorrow night. That's tomorrow night. Yeah. Will you be perf- and it's free. Will you be performing? Yes, I will be performing, and I will be showcasing, because I'm also the artist-in-residence over at Regent Park, and my job is to be the ambassador for many of the young, emerging talent that already right. exists there, and uh, you know all the stuff that's going on at Regent Park. So I'm also going to be showcasing some really cool people there. Cool. And she said Don Burns was supposed to be there tomorrow night, so another sad note on the passing of Donnie. Um, yeah, yes. and now when you play like at a venue, like a smaller venue, where you're just going to hang out, do you play someone, do you have a guitar, do you have an organ, do you I do have against a backing? Pi- I have a six-piece band. Come on. It's always. 
And what is the name of the well, band? The Spectrum. The is Spectrum it still called the Parachute Club or no? people. Hmm? It's not the Parachute Club anymore. No, the Parachute Club still does, uh, from time to time, uh, you know, certain events if they feel right. Like, mind you, you know, one of the people lives in Mexico, the other one lives in uh, Vancouver. So I have to kind of pull them in. So they have to be fairly large gigs. Mm-hmm. But I, I still play with a large band, and and I do do, uh, you know, two to three people. Uh, from time to time, but nice. uh, mostly I play with a band. I want to play a little bit of uh, something off uh, Lorraine's new CD. It's called Invisible Din- Invisible Dignancy. <laughs> Invisible. Gareth In- Brooks. Invincible Decency. Here we have something called Only Human. Let's listen to it. Invincibly decent, and uh, that's a great record. Now, where uh, you tell me, program director Fred, where is this going to get played? Who plays this stuff? CBC. I would think, although that sounds like a nice melodic crossover song. You should get lots of airplay with that. Really, I don't know. I don't know what radio is these days. With you (laughs) doing, you know, it seems to be the wild west out there. When I when I when I hear uh, the stuff that's what, what is, you know, pop, pop, mainstream radio. I keep saying to the kids, I, I say, I want you to understand something. These are not songs. They're song constructions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it's made out of all these different samples, right. right? You know, okay, that person was playing the drums. That was real. That was real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to know. It's really hard to know where we're going. And as you say, it gets back to, oh, we've already got our quote of KenCon. Thank you very much. So yeah. there's no room for this yeah. new song. Well, you know, yeah. I, I have to be honest. I wrote this record uh, my very first in many, many years, not because I had an intention to, but because I was uh, writing, finishing writing a one-woman show I've been working on for a while. And uh, these songs just started to appear. And I was like, okay, well, you can't ignore this piece because it's possible that you might use these songs in, in, you know, in, in this other production. So then what happened is they kind of came through rather fiercely and I could not ignore it. So put together a CD or an album mm-hmm. or whatever it is we call it now. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like a project. A digital offering. I, I, th- I think about it. Yeah, that's right. I think about it as a kind of project. Everything becomes a creative project for me. So, so how many, uh, when you put together something like this, whether it's distributed you know, digitally or not, how many songs are on this 
this particular thing has ten songs okay. on it. And uh, and I because one doesn't know what radio is anymore. I I let them be really long. Well, <laughs> you know? it, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. You know, the the days of uh, three minute and twenty second or two minute and forty five second records are sort of long gone because well, ex- except for hot AC or top yeah. forty music, yeah. and more and more people are discovering their music on the radio anyway. Yeah. They're discovering it online or through shows like this. Or, yeah. You know, word of mouth, social media, whatever it may be. A one-woman show, a Lorraine Sagato one-woman show, is this spoken word and music or spoken yeah, word? Yeah, it's monologues. It, it's yeah. me doing voices. I know it's hard for you to imagine me even doing other voices really? on my own. But it's, like who? Famous voices? Uh, no, like oh. my mother, like oh, my father, uh. like characters I've met, people who have spoken to me, you know, interesting things. So it's a bit of a philosophical journey. It's an autobiography and it's a philosophical journey through mm-hmm. you know a career and sort of you know I, I sort of left my career at the peak of my career and people have often said to me you know where are you where'd you go why did you know we get the same and, question yeah, I bet no I'm I, not even kidding you uh, no I'm sure because if they don't see you in a particular way the way they used to see you mainstream in yes. mainstream mm-hmm. they think you've gone away so uh, this answers that question it's pretty interesting because we were uh, on terrestrial radio for a long time and then we were off uh, working on our own for a while. And then we got back and started. When we started in this building around the corner at another studio, we were just doing this as a podcast. And then we got hired by some radio stations. Sirius XM came along and it was the perfect thing for us because we can talk about whatever we want and we can say dirty words. Right. Uh, but still, <laughs> I run into people all the time go, oh, humble and Fred, I used to love you guys. When can I hear you? Or why, why can't I hear you? I said, well, if you have Sirius XM, you can hear us tomorrow morning at 7. That's right. Lorraine, we'll tell everyone to go see you sure. at Daniel's Spectrum. It's a free show. That's not very expensive. That, that Really? <laughs> that's not going to break your pocketbook. No. That's for nope. sure. What's that, sweetie? So that's the opposite of expensive. It's the opposite of <laughs> yes. expensive. And I get the feeling that if you went up to Lorraine Sagato, she would speak to you. She would not be standoffish. <laughs> no. How's everything else? I don't roll that way. No, you do not <laughs> roll that way. But listen, thank you for making me laugh this morning. You know, it's an awful early thing to get up to come here and well how did you get we've heard drive all the way out here did you drive did you drive well how else would one sometimes people take street cars and those type of things no it's cool although you're you're going sort of (laughs) the opposite way of the traffic yeah when you come out here in the morning which is good that's true Mm -hmm. it's interesting to see actually how big uh the city and its environs are getting it's just Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't feel so far away. Like going, coming here would have felt like going from Toronto to Hamilton at a certain point. Yeah. Right? No, I, no yeah. longer. Yeah, and we're like 10 minutes west of downtown. Right. Snob. Well, that's yeah. right. Toronto snob. Is that a downtown <laughs> you're urban so, elite. Yeah, you're such a You sl- know, it's funny because leaving the city years and years ago, before you would get to, to say, Mississauga or the populated part of Mississauga, there would be gaps, actually. And now you can drive forever. With just built up for like for 40, 50 miles in every direction. She's so cool, Lorraine. Mm-hmm. She probably lives on top of the CN Towers. She's like, mm-hmm. hey, people. No. <laughs> and of course, she's originally from Hamilton. Uh, just, Shh, don't say that when you're on the East End. What? Yeah. I love when I meet people from Toronto. Like, oh, I would never live anywhere but downtown. Yeah, well, I'm really interesting. Where are you from originally? Sudbury? I okay. know. Well, and that's the thing up. about Toronto is everybody's from somewhere else, right? Yeah. That's why they call it meeting place. Mm. Well, did you have a nice time? Because we're going to have to send you along. Thank you. 
Uh, what should we do? Like, should we do something and then take a picture? Or, uh, uh, play a little bit of her music and we'll quickly get pictures. Well, we're mm-hmm. only on for another 15 minutes. Do you, are well, you okay I don't to hang out this. and then no, we'll what, do What Freddie said is what we'll do. What? Okay, do whatever you want. Here's what we'll do. I'm going to do this. This is pretty cool. This is actually another version. Uh, it's called Rise Time featuring Mustafa the Poet. I love Mustafa. He'll be there tomorrow night, too. Yeah. You want to do it from the middle or something? From oh, the well, middle? Mustafa is actually right off the top. He's written a poem. So okay, it's a well, poem. I, I can't have that on the show. <laughs> no, that's no. right. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Let's quickly do so some uh, pictures. Okay. Everyone listen to 40 seconds of this. We'll be right back. Small, I cannot shine. And they've seen me crawl, so they must watch me fly. Let them see the wounds under wings that were once sky deprived. And I will love, for love does not wither like time. For bricks and bodies are only costumes for the soul A soul I'll feed and clean and hold and let go and let go Because the light I give off lets my community glow For darkness kills the creative mind In blankets we fold And in blankets I read stories about cultures of gold I read my palms For in them they are told I'm Toronto Mike. I produce Humble and Fred. If you want to hear more of me, I host a podcast called Toronto Miked. If you go to torontomike.com and click Notable Guests at the very top, you can cherry pick an episode and just check it out, see what you think. There are plenty of Humble and Fred episodes to choose from. Thanks for listening. Peace and love. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and DraftKings. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And don't forget to help keep the show going by licking them. <clears throat> liking them. Like and subscribe.
It's on, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook has arrived. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports, from MMA to hockey to playoff hoops, and so much more. Bet special parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Plus, do it now from anywhere in the province. Join the action, download the app, and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Get excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook is live. So go to the App Store and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to get in on the action. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call Connects Ontario, 1-866-531-2600, 19-plus, physically present in Ontario, eligibility restrictions apply, see sportsbook.draftkings.com for details, please play responsibly, DraftKings operates pursuant to an operating agreement with iGaming Ontario.